Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome to a bumper uh, H&J Daily, because we had some fantastic guests. We kicked off with uh, Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse. They were fishing together, not for telly, but just as mates, which is a lovely story. I felt their new series is back on Sunday. Uh, Eric Dyer came on, tell us about his new app, talk a little bit about the new season for Spurs. He's a tech entrepreneur, Eric, these days. Gary Lineker joined us as well. He was on good form. Long chat with Gary, that was good. And Ed China. Yeah, Ed China, a man who has uh, has got the fastest uh, ice cream van in the world. Uh, Plus, uh, Rupert Bell had a pizza pre-racing and it caused a bit of an issue, uh, as you will discover. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. I must say I'm looking forward to today's show. Uh, I was listening to Jason and Andy trailing it last night. I was thinking, oh, I might listen to that. I might listen to that. It sounds good. Well, if the cricket was on, you wouldn't indeed be doing that, (laughs) as well as watching the cricket. But I think I've got you today anyway. You have, yeah. Till tomorrow, I've got your undivided attention. Undivided attention. Yeah. And, uh, yes, the fixtures are out. It's always a moment of excitement, but there's a kind of sadness. I'm sure everybody feels this. Didn't feel quite the same. Well, you look at the first fixture for Chelsea, you know, you look at it from your own club. Yeah. Home to Liverpool, and none of us can go. You know, 40,000 people won't be able to see the champions, won't be able to see a classic game. It, it's frustrating, but it's the same for everybody. You know, yeah. what, it's nobody's fault, but it just it sort of kind of rubs it in and it's, it hurts. A you bit, can you know? look beyond uh, the um, uh, sort of September and think about October and think, could you be one of that 30%? You know, um, yeah, it might be regional lockdowns you know, or like second spikes. In November, uh, there's only three games in November, so you know you might be the if it's split into four, you might not see a game. Yeah, you would just say nothing you can do about it. There's no point complaining about it. You just got to get on with it. But it is it's frustrating. Apparently, the government is saying there's a blanket thirty percent of fans in any stadium, but for for some grounds, because of their geography or, yeah. or the amount of fans they can take, there is a feeling that they should have a higher percentage. So they're going to have to Premier League going to have to work on the government because some grounds are more suited mm. to getting more than 30% in, you know. That's true. Uh, anyway, to last night's game and uh, well played to buy. It's going to be a great yeah. final. That's the good thing about it. The semi-finals, people have been going on, we'll speak to Gary Lineker about this, people are going on about all oh, this new one-leg format. It's great, but I, you cannot compare this year's semi-finals to last year's. No. Last year's were brilliant games. These were... 
you know, yeah. hum really. But at least we're left with the two best teams. But we were talking to Eric Bilderman yesterday, weren't we, uh, from Le Keep in, in, in France. And we were saying that mm. it was really all about them, if they got chances early on, to put Bayern on the back foot, they had to take them. And what happened? Yeah, they exactly got chances yeah. and they didn't put them away. Two brilliant chances. And, uh, and at 2 at it was all over and the second half was a bit flat, wasn't it? Look, they yeah. gave it a go, but you never really fancied it. But you always felt that even if they'd got one, Bayern would have won and got, gone and got another one, wouldn't they? I know it was a bit flat because I started thinking about TV formats for Hussam Hour. Oh, OK. The, uh, Leon player, yes. Cometh the man, cometh the hour. Hossam. I'm a bit worried about that yeah, one. Yeah. No. Why do you always start with those? <laughs> no, Hussam's in-depth profile of 60s rock legend Manfred Mann. Oh, that's quite <laughs> okay. good. That sounds like a winner, Mr Zeitgeist. <laughs> oh, they'll all be tuning in. That's very BBC4, that is. Golden Hour. Hussam looks back at Britain's greatest Olympic moment from a French point of view. Oh, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, uh, <laughs> Children's the, Hour. What about the Midnight Hour, <laughs> yeah. which is a kind of late-night talk show? I think that could be good. Yeah, okay. I quite like the sound of that. All right, then, if you want, uh, just we'll yeah. dot those around. Hossam Hour. And then I started watching, because you're right, the game went flat. I started watching... Uh, I don't know how I got into this, but Andy Caddick's four wickets in one over. It came up on my phone. I don't know why, on the sort of Google thing. And it, it's amazing that I watched the over and I thought, well, oh, brilliant. I bet Goffey's a bit jealous there. But then I realised Goffey got the first four wickets in that and then Caddick got the easier wickets. So I know Goffey, if I'd been sitting with him... Goffey won't be happy. I got the top of the order out, he'd say to me. <laughs> but he'd be right. Yeah, he would be, yeah. So you, you, you basically left a Champions League semi-final to watch some old wickets, <laughs> some old well, tail-end wickets from Andy Caddick. I, I didn't have a bet on it, so I was bored with it. I well, see, I did. I had 4-2. 4-2. Uh, I thought after that start that, that uh, Leon made, mm. I was laughing. I thought I was, the bet was going to come off. But there you go. 25 to 1. Again. I want to ask Gary Lineker. This is a question for everybody, really. Well, you've about. got a lot lined up for well, Gary Lineker. You have to get an extra 10 minutes out no, of him. because he's a massive fan of Pep Guardiola. Rightfully so. Pep's done so much for football. Yeah. But you have to say, are Bayern, and I'm not saying they are, but it's a question, are Bayern under Hansi Flick much better than Bayern under Pep? You know, I can't remember. I think this is the best Bayern team I've ever seen. I think yeah. they're absolutely brilliant the way I think they play. The job that Anzi Flick did, you have to put in the context of when he came in. You know, he, yeah. did, he didn't have those. He walked in on a team that was in a right mess. Yes, it looked like we were going to qualify for the Champions League at one point, and he completely yeah. turned it around. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk again. We, we'll talk to Gary Lineker about mm. this. So I hope he's writing all this stuff down because we'll probably forget. <laughs> he but, won't be able to come on. We just talk to each other I, 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 about I, I it. I forget the journalist who did it. For, apologies yeah. if it was you, but. Um, mm. Somebody tweeted out last night that Bayern's starting eleven cost eighty million quid, and you think, you know, they are pretty canny in the transfer oh, market, yeah. aren't they? And in they Germany, are. they just, you know, it's they, they, they must. When you come to buy a player, and you're or you're selling a player from Spain or Italy, you must think, well, if he was going to the Premier League, we'd get uh, forty million, but if he's going to Germany, we'll probably get about thirty. So they know they've got this dual market. They know that oh, yeah. we pay over the odds, and that the Germans won't. So I agree. And, and look at the business they've done. And when Gnabry scored as well, Tony Pulis started trending on Twitter, which I thought was a bit unfair. People yeah. reminding you of the time he wrote off the Arsenal loanee. But well, players train he, on. He's, training, yeah. he's a completely different player now. He's a wonderful player now. And you remember those old World of Sport sprint races with John Williams, the flying postman? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kov. Wouldn't you like to see one of those between Anthony Davis and Adama Traore? Yeah. God, they've got to be the two quickest players out there. Anthony right? Davis or... What did I call him? Is that Alfonso Davis. Alfonso Davis. Sorry, yeah. I call him Declan. Sorry, Anthony. I call him Declan Davis in a minute. <laughs> you probably will. That's right. <laughs> Damien Davis. Do you think that's a sign that I am getting older? I'm getting people's names I wrong. think there's quite a few of those. <laughs> 
I think the fact you came in today with no trousers on was another one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing the show with a towel. We found it's a towel. Probably true. We cover his modesty. But well, what are you uh, going to do? Yeah, that's right. So um, is that you, sissy? Shouts now and again. That's right. And good to see Steve Parrish and Susanna Reid back together again. <laughs> I've, I'm not okay, actually great. interested in that. I was in the paper today. I'm more interested in the fact that at one point after their dinner, Indian restaurant Cricket. I want to go to a restaurant called Cricket. Yes, with a K though, isn't it? Yeah, it's still got to be Cricket though, isn't You'd it? You'd like it, wouldn't you, in there? Yeah. Me and Harsha, that's my dream dinner date, me and Harsha Bogley in cricket. In cricket. What about that? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, leave that with me, Andy. For your 80th birthday, oh, yeah. I'll, make, I'll make that. We'll get Harsha, I'll fly Harsha over. We'll crowd I'm sure I'll get his name wrong. We'll crowd fund you. Call in Damien, no doubt. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Now, I asked this question for a reason, Paddy, but if you're ordering a pizza, what do you tend to favour? What's, what's, your, what's your toppings of choice, Paddy, if you're ordering one? Okay, well, I'd be anything that is like Diavolo or hot or any yeah. of that kind of stuff, spicy. I, I'm, I love a bit of spice on a pizza. So I, I, I like I, I like the meat on a pizza, but I wouldn't be into like having 75 different meats. Uh, so I think just something like a little pepperoni and a few jalapenos and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, just a hot, spicy pizza, yeah. So not the meat feast, not for you, Paddy. No. The, uh, and I, don't, I think that's just trying too hard. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's la- getting, the meat, getting the meat feast. It's like getting turf and turf. It's just lazy. It's just, you're not making a decision. You're just trying to get a bit of both, and it never works out. I quite like a bit of a fishy pizza. I quite like an anchovy on a pizza and some olives. You're all heathens. I'm a purist. What do you have? Mozzarella and tomato. That's it. That's hey, it. You're such a snob. You do, what about a nice bit of pineapple? <laughs> I am. Yeah, Andy's got a thing about pineapple on pizza. Uh, Paddy thinks it's a complete sacrilege. We did, we did find one place in Italy. That yeah, actually, that, that sold will it. give you an Hawaiian. <laughs> But maybe for the, yeah. the for the kind of English palate. Tell Paddy know. why you've asked this question. I've asked this question for a reason. It's not apropos of nothing. I won't be saying thanks for joining us, Paddy. Goodbye. Uh, Rupert Bell. Rupert Bell is commentating, of course, from uh, York. He's in situ and he can't really move at the moment. Uh, so um, he's got he's had a pizza delivered, and um, I, I'll give you it's family one. size though for him. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's handing that out to the connections in the next box. So um, what, what do you think? Looking at Rupert, but let's, let's match the man with his pizza topping. What do you think Rupert has gone for, Paddy? Well, first of all, first of all, I have to say, as we as we all know, Rupert is the type of man who eats a pizza with a knife and fork. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he is, definitely. Definitely. So, definitely. I, I, would say, I would say it's like he'll certainly get shavings of Parmesan mm. afterwards anyway, and he'd probably get a little bit of uh, black pepper and a little bit of olive oil on it afterwards. But I think he is going to be a relatively straightforward bit of pepperoni and he'll certainly want something like rocket or something that's half posh. Wow, you're not <laughs> half posh. You're on to something because he has ordered red onion and courgette. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> that's yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. most pizza places, do they readily have courgette or did they have to send out for courgette? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it on a pizza. No, really. I've not seen that before. That <laughs> is quite rare. So uh, he's going to get some clog for that a little bit later. I mean, it's fairly healthy, oh, yeah. isn't it? Really? Looks nice. so. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. And we speak to a Spurs mm. fan now. In fact, uh, one half of the excellent uh, Gone Fishing. He is uh, under a tree currently, along with his uh, worthy constituent, <laughs> Bob Mortimer. Of course, big Borough fan will touch on the football. Because uh, Gone Fishing returns on um, Sunday. And believe it or not, the boys are still filming, still putting the finishing touches Amazing. to the series. And, uh, yep, join us now, Paul Whitehouse and Bob Mortimer. Guys, good afternoon. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah. 
So, to, boy, so, Paul, you're under a tree, I understand, we're at both, the moment. We're both under a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there's some dogs muck nearby as well. You know, it's not the rural idyll that you think it is. <laughs> now, we, we interviewed you, uh, I think, when this first came out, and uh, I hadn't watched it at that point, but when, then I went home and watched it, and I, I've basically watched every single episode. It became... It's always difficult when you're doing an interview because it sounds like you're so crawling, but it became... It's your celebrity <laughs> mastermind. It, it, it became subject, my favourite programme of last year. I just thought it yeah. was wonderful. You must be, oh, well, well, you must be chuffed, yeah, Bob, with it, with the the sort of success and the, and the love for it. Yeah, very unexpected, especially at that at my at my point I am in my career. You know, <laughs> um, it has been a it's, it's a lovely sort of gentle um, gentle show because I'm getting knocking on a bit now. I kind of appreciate uh, that it is a decent little show. Yeah, really pleased yeah. with it. It, and and it, you fall over, Bob, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I do fall over a lot, genuinely. <laughs> when, when, when we were doing, when we edit the show together, um, we, we have to lose quite a lot of the falls because they look like they're contrived. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird thing, maybe, yeah. you know, making sure a genuine fall looks genuine. But by, the, by the way, Andy, um, we're, not, um, we're not filming at the moment, we're just having a day's fishing. Oh, we're really? Fishing. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, no cameras, that's why we haven't caught anything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's well. That's that's even better. That the fact that, that the two of you, even when the cameras aren't there, that you go fishing together now. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a joy. It really is. Yeah. I mean, if, if I could lose, I try and lose him. I take him to these places, <laughs> and, that, and then I walk off and I jump in the car. But he always buys me. The thing is, Bob's. You're in charge of the food, aren't you? You're in charge of the accommodation, and Paul, you're yeah. in charge of the fishing. And it's it's a great combination. And then you add in the beautiful countryside. The Y Valley one is still my favourite. I, I think it's such a beautiful place. It's yeah. incredible. We go back there for um, this series, Andy, and it's an even more beautiful spot. I had no idea there was uh, such intense kind of British Columbian beauty in this country. You know, it's, mm. it, that's been quite a discovery for me. The Y Valley, extraordinary. Yeah, some of the places you've been to, uh, certainly some of the ones up in Scotland, sort of breathtaking. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, we should pat your team on the back because it's a beautifully shot series, oh, yeah, it's isn't great, it? It's a great team. They really are. We we do try and showcase that. We, we sort of say, and it sounds a bit pretentious, that, you know, the environment is the star. But it's very important at the moment, isn't it? Everyone's sort of rediscovering the countryside and, you know, immersing themselves in it. And, and so, yeah, we've been lucky enough to, to go to these beautiful places and it's very important for us that we show those. Yeah. Bob, do you feel you've got better as a fisherman as time goes? We're under Paul's tutelage. Do you feel like you're, you're improving all the time? Do you know, I wish. If, if, I've, been, if, I'm, if I've improved, it's imperceptible. I, I've, we've been fishing this morning and Paul spent most of his time just retying my lines and recovering my... Recovering. He's very patient, though. He's very patient. Yeah. There's I, a lot of tree climbing I have to do. <laughs> you, you did, there was that lovely little clip where in one of the shows where, Bob, you couldn't ca- you couldn't get hold of the float. Yeah, I think you were salmon fishing. You couldn't get hold of the float. And you said, I can't reach the float. And Paul said, well, let's some line out then. And he said, oh, yeah, I see what you it's, just, it's a bit Laura and Hardy at times, isn't it? <laughs> There's another fine mess. I get very grumpy with it. I'm not normally a grumpy person, but Bob just brings it out now. <laughs> so uh the the first episode of the new series you're, you're going after the elusive salmon again aren't you up in scotland yeah mm. yeah we have a it's a two beautiful days the salmon's pretty scarce these days but 
Um, we, uh, well, I won't say whether we caught any or not, no. but we do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Bob, are you taking your friend Train Guy? Will he be fishing with you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hilario. <laughs> what? Why do I do those? I don't know. <laughs> he is a great... Uh, as, as we are straying away from, strictly from gone fishing, you've got a big uh, fast show special this weekend, Paul, haven't you? Yes, it's sort of 25... Well, it's actually 26 years. We missed the 25-year anniversary. <laughs> we thought we'd celebrate 26 years since the first episode of the fast show, and we've managed to get everyone back together. Obviously, not Caroline, so... Yeah, of course. It's become a sort of tribute to Caroline, really. And, and uh, it was a very, it was quite a touching thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's out, yeah, out very soon. And a, a look back at the far side. Oh, excellent. That's, yeah, it's on, it's on Dave, isn't it, I think? Is it on, is that right? Yeah, on go- uh, Gold. On Gold, sorry, okay. Gold, yeah. yeah. Um, Bob, how did you two meet? I mean, did you just sort of meet was it out and about working in sort of TV comedy, you and Paul? Yeah, I mean, we just met out drinking where yeah. where, where where young guns drink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm next to Paul now. Can you remember where we met? It's a long time ago. It was um, well, it's the big night out. We the came big to night see out. You. Yeah, oh. we came to see you do the live show. Me and a few mates, and uh, Charlie Higson said, "There's a bloke who flattened some brie onto a carpet tile." <laughs> I thought, well, I can't miss that. <laughs> <laughs> So I even went to South London. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. And, and that was it? And and, that's, yeah, and that's, that's where we met 30 years ago. Oh, fantastic. It's great. And going back to gone fishing, have you, has it been difficult to find different places to fish? Because you, obviously it's difficult to travel at the moment. You, I suppose you're restricted to basically Britain. Well, we did, we, we did half of the new series um, long before lockdown, and then we, we completed it after when they opened the fishing up. So... Um, yeah, no, there's plenty of places, Andy. There's, you know, like how this could go on and on and on, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I'd like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you considered maybe sort of marlin fishing somewhere or you getting a bit exotic, a bit of overseas? Do you know what I like? I, I, I really like the backdrop of the UK and mm. just catching yeah. little indigenous fish. And uh, I, I don't know, it's because it's kind of not a fishing uh, show. Uh, we don't really want to make the fish the star. It's the countryside that's yeah. the star. And, mm-hmm. and the slight sort of last of the summer wine aspect of two old codgers. He's compost. <laughs> You're compost. <laughs> I am compost, yeah. But the other thing is, we might have a heart attack if we up to Marlin. That's true, yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Could be there for hours, can't you? Do you, ever, do you ever watch those extreme... I mean, now you're probably into your fishing more, Bob. you ever watch those extreme fishing... That's that one, that's his name, Jeremy... Oh, they, uh, Wade. Yeah, that's right, Wade. Jeremy Wade. Jeremy he does Wade, that yeah. one that you... That basically, you catch the fish by hand. You put your hand, your hand down the, the fishy and it sort of latches onto your arm doesn't it and then you sort of what's the bait your hand I mean basically <laughs> your, your hand is the bait I don't, Bob I don't think you're going to fancy that much are you I don't fancy that, um, <laughs> I, no, I don't, don't fancy <laughs> using your hand as bait as <laughs> bait yeah because as long as you've got a little bit of luncheon meat or a bit of cheese in it they, they, they like them I would imagine that would be fantastic yeah. he's always got a bit of luncheon meat in his car Bob he's really? always got a bit of meat in his car that's been there for weeks 
That's interesting. Why? 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 Processed meats. Ten things you never, you never know knew about Bob Morgan. Meat. Yeah, that's right. You, that's true. true. You could be. It could be finding your car breaks down on it on a country road. That's very true. So look, as it is talks bought, we the will both question. The first question yeah. the AA ask when you phone them up. Do you have sufficient processed meat to last you for the next two hours? Yeah, they've got pork luncheon and some Hazlitt. The, um, so, Paul, are you having Jose on it? We've, we've not had a chance to talk about to Tottenham since uh, since the change of management. Uh, I know, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, it's, it's Jose Mourinho. I, I like to think um, he'd be a good laugh on a night out. But I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure about his management. Well, his reputation goes before him, but I don't know. It's tricky. Now yeah. Joe Hart comes yeah. over Joe's. You know, we were hoping to get the head and shoulders contract, me and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bob, of course, uh, you've got an old stager in Neil Warnock, haven't you? Brilliant, After Woody, yeah. are, you, are you pleased about that? I am pleased about it because when we were under threat of going down, it really brought home to me what a superb division the championship is and how yeah. much I'd miss it. And I think probably, you know, Warnock's the man to keep, at least keep us in there. So, yeah, I'm very relieved to have him, to be honest. Fantastic. Well, are you, are you catching much today? Can you t- tell us if you had, you had any joy so far? Honestly, we, we've had nothing, haven't oh, we, Oh, dear. Oh, it's been terrible. <laughs> oh, Kingfisher, though. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, Nigel likes that. Nigel, yeah, that's what Nigel, by the way, often say, you know, yeah. so if you don't catch any fish, you'll still see something mm. that, you, that, that you'll love. That's true. Yeah, but I missed it. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, look, we, we do look forward to the yeah, new series. To Sunday night at uh, 8 o'clock on BBC Two. Another series of six of Gone Fishing. Lovely to talk to you, fellas. All the best. Enjoy Very the rest nice. of the day. Always, always a pleasure. See Take, you guys. Take care. Cheers. There we are. Paul Whitehouse. Why am I waving? I'm waving at him. Mm. Why would I do that? Paul Whitehouse and uh, Bob Mortimer. Yeah, there. If you haven't, it's not just us. You have a look at it's the sensation. reviews for it. You know, it's it's a fantastic tremendous. series. It's, mm. It is slow TV, but it's very funny because they're very funny and they're very yeah. good together. It's like and it's calling the version of the trip. It, it is. With, with it is. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the trip with warmth, isn't it? Really, yeah. you know. And I mean that in a nice way because yeah, the trip's very, the, trip. the yeah. trip's very, very good as well. But it's got that, you know, that sort of camaraderie of the two guys, and they're, they're great together. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it, you can catch up, of course, on the iPlayer. But it's the third series gets underway uh, Sunday night at 8 o'clock. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. News is just reaching us that Joey Chestnut, the world's greatest competitive eater, has just eaten 32 Big Macs. But he is still in less trouble than Rupert Bell after one pizza, apparently. Uh, let's head to York, where he's in situ, uh, Rennie in hand. Um, good afternoon, Rupert. I have basically got a lead weight in my stomach. <laughs> I'm looking, it's, it's a bit like a jockey. Go, yeah, it's you're a handicapped. Anywhere. That's right, you carry, yeah, well, this. I've definitely been handicapped by my brie. Uh, I've gone the healthy option with some slices of courgette on it, but mm. um, that hasn't really done any good. So Because they've very kindly given us free pizzas to the media today. So oh, nice. um, I was definitely keen to avail myself, but I think I've been a mug. Uh, so um, <laughs> I, I hopefully won't be belching my way through this conversation. It could be very yeah, that's funny. Good news. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Uh, Mick's been in touch, Andy. We were talking about Rupert's Pizza. More on that yeah. later. Uh, courgette. It looks like there's some brie on it. Courgette, brie, and red onion. Um, it's sitting quite heavy at the moment. The going's, much so. the going's heavy. <laughs> it very is. <laughs> um, speaking of pineapple on mm. pizza, says uh, Mick, it's International Hawaiian Pizza Day today. No, really, it is. No, so the well. day when, they, really, the day you hate, Andy, because I know you're not a fan of. Uh, of that on the pizza, right? The no. pineapple. Oh, so, uh, so there, hope you're having a great Hawaiian pizza day, everybody out there who, who, in Radio Land, as Rodney used to say. <laughs> so, anything else, Andy? You want to talk about? Yes. Uh, what have I got here? Um, yes, and another pointless photo in the papers today of Summer Monty's Fulham have got Arsenal on the first day of the season. Oh yeah, so her name's changed. Yeah, <laughs> it changes every day. It's marvellous. Um, golf boss, uh, the RNA, Martin Slumbers, says oh, he yeah. has no regrets. Known as Golden in the dressing That's room. That's right. Uh, about calling off the Open. So he didn't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you very much. That's lovely that. Like that. Um, <laughs> I've got a bit of breaking news, <laughs> yeah. talk sport news. Uh, this came out earlier. Millions of gallons of Italian wine are being distilled into alcohol-based uh, hand sanitising gel after the global lockdowns. Around 11 million gallons of wine, equivalent to 70 million bottles, going to be turned into 92% proof alcohol under a scheme in Italy and really? uh, Alan Brazil and Ray Parler live tomorrow <laughs> because they've staged an intervention. <laughs> they're basically, they've both chained themselves to the railings of the wine company and they won't leave. Pinot Grigio it's not happening, Ray. There's no way. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, that's probably not true, actually. Well, but there we are. 
is really. Uh, first date star Fred Syriax yeah. is uh, on a mission. <laughs> is he? I don't think he does. Syriax. I think, yeah, is Syriax? Is he yeah. Syria? I don't, I don't know. know. He's, he's on a mission to I think he's Syria. I don't normally pronounce don't the know, X yeah. in Spanish or in asterisk. Well, you cannot be, French. Sorry, French. You cannot be Syria. You cannot be Syria <laughs> is his new series. He's trying, to, he's trying to uncover the recipe of, a lot of people have tried to do this, of Kentucky Fried Chicken oh, yeah. with its 11 <clears> different <throat> herbs and spices. But there you go. So well, you can't way. because they have to kill you, don't they? <laughs> they do. I think, wouldn't that be great? That would be a great drama, wouldn't it? I mean, the good people at KFC would have to be on board, of course. But the idea that somebody, whoever actually works out what the 11 herbs and spices are, a bloke dressed as the colonel bumps them off in a kind of kind hearts and coronets type, quite quite inventive way. Steve being Barnes bumped investigates. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It could be one for Steve Barnes. It could be a new book for if Steve Bruce is listening this afternoon. That's it. You know, a man in a white suit with a beard approach me with a gun. It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? A Get dance back. Let's get dance back. Oh, God, I'd love to let's see bring that, yeah. that to life. That's and right. this is a strange story about. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of Millwall with uh, Gary Lineker and talking about Danny Baker, of course, his book. Yeah. But uh, this story about Norman Tebbit. I don't sure I buy this. Norman mm. Tebbit was given a guard of honour by Millwall supporters really? because they liked his spitting image puppet so much. He's revealed mm. uh, Lord Tebbit, eighty-nine. Thank you very much. Said the drunken fans at first surrounded him on the train after seeing their team lose at Liverpool. Once back in London, he said the fans insisted on escorting him to a cab while singing a song they had made up called In Praise of Norm. Does that sound like a football song to you? He forgave him for (laughs) closing down the docks, obviously. (laughs) The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Joining us now, uh, footballer turned tech entrepreneur. Yes. Him and his brother and a friend have put together an app uh, called uh, Spotless and uh, it's a clever idea. And here he is to tell us more about it. To do the Dragon's Den pitch... Uh, a man we last saw when he was beating Andy at darts in uh, in Rapino. I feel I was a bit unlucky that th- day. Yeah, you had a bad. You were just off your game that day. I didn't even hit the board. Tottenham and England's Eric Dyer joins us. Good afternoon, Eric. Good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, we're not Good too bad. Was that still your finest victory as a darts player? <laughs> my, my my first and last victory. Oh, yeah. oh I see. Okay. The rest of the media gave me right. You got a lot of stick for that. Yeah, you did anyway. Anyway, let's talk about the app. Yeah, it's uh, we've been we've been doing a bit of research, and I I sort of downloaded it a little bit early on. It's a very clever idea, but look, we'll we'll let you explain how it works. No, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's um, it's a map-based recommendation sharing social network. So it's um, you can follow your you can follow friends and family. You can follow um, you know other people whoever has an open account. So it could be um, you know influencers, uh, football players, <laughs> whatever it may be. And um, you can also make your, your own recommendations from your own profile. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're really excited by it and uh, we hope it, it improves. It, it, it um, you know, gives people a, a solution which we didn't think was out there. And, um, yeah, we're really excited to have launched it now and, um, you know, looking to, looking to grow. It's it's um I suppose if you're going to do it in the Hollywood style it's kind of a cross between TripAdvisor and Instagram. It's got that kind of feel of Instagram sort of the way it works but 
as you said, so you could be yeah. out and about and you go to a particular town or somewhere and you go to a good restaurant and so in your little social network of the people on Spotlast, you say, this was a good place. So you tell all your yeah. friends that that was a good place to go to and you recommend it. So unlike TripAdvisor, we don't quite know uh, what's going on and whether you can trust those people's recommendations mm. to quite the same extent. This is your mate, yeah. so you, you can at least turn around and say afterwards, that place you told me about was either great or terrible, but at least it's coming yeah. from someone you know and like. Yeah, you're doing a better job at selling it than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's exactly it. It's about, um, well, it's about digitalizing, you know, what the word of mouth, really, which I think um, is the way many people find new places to go. At least that's the way I do. But at the same time, I feel like you miss out on a lot. So, um, so you know, people message me when they come to London or maybe when they go into to Portugal where I used to live and, uh, Eric, where should I go there? And it's kind of, it's putting that on a platform. And, um, you know, the, the other platforms out there, they're not, they're not interactive and, um, they're also, they're peddling ratings and reviews, hmm. whereas, which we don't feel is, is a really reliable, a reliable source of information because the people that are, are, are making those ratings and reviews, you don't know them. No. So, um, on, on spotless, you know, you know, the people making the recommendations and I feel like that gives you a much better, a much more accurate, um, you know, a much more accurate source for for how good a place is. Yeah, yeah and you're preaching to the converted here because I'm not a big fan of TripAdvisor and uh, for yeah. those sort of reasons. It's been developing this since 2018, Eric, but uh, it's not on Android, is it? And I'm an Android user, so have you got plans to do that? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, we do. Yeah, <clears throat> no, no, we we definitely we definitely. Um, have plans for it to be on Android. We we developed the the iOS version first, and um, we're we're now we're now going to be developing it for Android. So it's definitely going to be coming soon. Mm. Good stuff. So people can go and get yeah. it on on uh, Apple at the moment. They can go to uh, the Apple Store and download that at the moment. So it's called Spotless S P O T L A S. And uh, yes, yeah, I think I think you could be onto a winner there. But um, um, fixtures were out today, Eric. And uh, normally, yeah. uh, I'm a Spurs season to older, and it's normally sort of quite excited about the first game of the season, looking at Boxing Day and everything. But it was slightly yeah. tempered today because until October the first, only a you know. No one's really going to get in there, and even then, it'll only be a percentage of people. I mean, as players, what was it like playing in front of those empty stadiums, and how do you feel about the idea of coming back and it's still being the same? Um, yeah, well, I, I think we we knew coming back it was going to be the same. Um, you know, not not that we want want it to be. You know, we want to be playing in front of fans, and it obviously reduces the experience a lot for us um, as players playing in empty stadiums um it was you know it, it got a bit of time to get used to it but i feel like by the end we 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 were used to it and you know it's you it's it's quite interesting playing in an empty stadium because i feel like uh the games that can be influenced in different ways um so yeah we're all i think we're all looking forward to having fans back and um obviously it's just important it's done in the safest way so that um you know there's no risk of of um, you know this virus spreading. No, sure. It was a season of change, but as Jose Mourinho points out, uh, if if you take all the points that he accumulated since he got there, you would have finished in the top four. So that must give you optimism for the new season. Yeah, definitely. We, you know, I was, uh, you know, was kind of disappointed that we were going on holiday because I felt like we were just we were just uh, finding our feet and and really starting to make some uh, some strides in the right direction. So. Um, 
you know, hopefully we can pick up where we left off in that sense. And um, we're, we're really, really excited, you know, to have a pre-season with the manager and, and be able to really put in some work before the season starts and, and start with a clean slate. Um, the new boys, of course, we saw pictures of them training yesterday. Uh, and you you know Joe Hart from England. I mean, uh, quite a few of the boys would, would know him. So what's the feeling about the, the new signings? Yeah, he caught me by surprise. He he uh, he he messaged me a couple of days ago and said, uh, said it was late. It was late at night, and he said, oh, um, "Are you awake? Don't worry, it's nothing. It's nothing serious or whatever." <laughs> so, so, so I called him, and he was in the car on the way down. So he he, he caught me by surprise. But uh, oh. no, it's fantastic, fantastic to have him. Um, you know, it'd be a real pleasure to to get to share a dressing room with him again. I I always enjoyed. Um, I always enjoyed sharing one with him of England, so um, and I'm sure you know he'll bring he'll bring a lot um, off the pitch just as much as he will on it with his experience and you know the the kind of situations he's been in as a player. So um, I'm really looking forward to to sharing a dressing room with him as well. And then obviously um, Hoiberg, which I know well from playing against him a lot at at, uh, at Southampton. Yeah, um, I think he's he's going to be a great addition for us. Uh, the documentary is out, isn't it? And from what we've seen of the uh, of All or Nothing, and from what we've seen at Eclipse, you seem to feature quite heavily. Have you had a chance to see it? Yeah, <laughs> some of the boys are a bit worried about what's going to be in the edit. Um, yeah, no, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I know, like, uh, I, I know bits that are going to go in there about me, but um, but I haven't seen it. And um, yeah, yeah, no, um, you know, it was an eventful year, and so I'm sure it. It, we we gave them enough for uh, we gave them enough for, for a good documentary. So it's up to them. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was never dull, was it? And as the, as the Portuguese help with Jose, I mean, you know his English is brilliant, but you occasionally lapse into that, or does he lapse into it with you? Yeah, when, if we're if we're if we're if we're talking privately, we we talk in Portuguese. But um, if if we're if we're in a you know in a setting of more people, then we'll speak English. So. Um, yeah, it's a bit of both, but yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's it's very special growing up in Portugal, and then to to be managed by him. You know, when I was growing up, you know, it was when uh, he he won the Champions League with Porto, and then went to Chelsea and was extremely successful. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's really special to be being managed by him now. Good stuff. Am I right in thinking that before you moved to Portugal, you lived in Chiswick? <laughs> he's not he's not stalking you because no, no, he's, he's got an odd fact I think a friend of mine was friendly with your mum and I think she worked in Chiswick didn't she if I remember right yeah but could you the house you had this thing about the house well, I'm sure that the house overlooked a, a, the level crossing it was right on the level crossing am I right you, or... did you live on a level crossing Eric as a kid is what he's asking honestly I have no idea <laughs> yeah he was a kid when he went oh, to right. Portugal he's just checking no, he's got no memory of the level crossing even now he wakes up when a train goes past <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with uh, Spotless then, Eric. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much Thank for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There's Eric Dyer there, tech the entrepreneur. Season. That's why I'm in. Now, it's actually a very good idea. You know, you, it's yeah. not, you, know, you look at some ideas and think, that's never going to work. But yeah. I think I might be onto no, one. I, the thing about TripAdvisor, it's too easy to subvert. You know, yeah. I remember when we stayed at the Navigator in <laughs> Kaliningrad. The world's worst hotel. The world's worst hotel. to our friends I in thought, Kaliningrad. out of spite, I put, I love this hotel. It's marvellous. I recommended it to everybody on TripAdvisor. I gave it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> like the monkey's poor. The TripAdvisor version. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
And you're definitely the only talk sport presenter who would ask Eric Dyer if he ever lived on a level crossing in Chiswick. It was, it was, it was like Frank Costanza from Seinfeld, wasn't it? George's dad. You, know, you lived on a level crossing. I worked it out. The problem was that this was in the mid-80s and Eric yeah. wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Which is why I didn't know what I was talking about. His mum about. lived on a level crossing, but he wasn't even <laughs> born. It's fantastic. The years are passing. You did ask whether you were having trouble earlier on. Uh, I think you possibly are. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. What about that? We thought we'd got the coincidence of coincidences. If you just joined us, Andy, uh, as a closing question to Tottenham and England's Eric Dyer, who joined us in the last hour, did you used to live on a level crossing in Chiswick? And then Andy realised uh, it was Eric's mum and Eric wasn't even born. And then Paul, who's just brought us the, the sports news there, Paul Scott, mm. said, funny enough, I live on a level crossing in Chiswick. And Andy looked really excited. He went, which one? And he told him, he said, oh, no, that's a completely different one. He looked quite, he looked quite upset and a bit annoyed that Paul didn't live on the same level crossing in the house at Eric died. You're a piece of work, I know. You? Anyway, he's uh, very good though. I'm very yeah. impressed. Our new news. Have you got anything for Gary Lineker? I've got plenty for no, Gary. No, but I mean, have you got anything along those lines? <laughs> well, I did go to his house in St John's Wood. Okay. <laughs> Is that, is that anywhere near a level crossing? <laughs> Did the railway back onto it? <laughs> nowhere near any okay, railways good. whatsoever. All right, then, we'll, we'll steer clear of that then, because Gary Lineker will be joining us shortly. We'll have live racing for you, but before all of that, a man who joined us in the studio a little while ago, uh, you'll know him from uh, TV, of course, uh, and we were chatting about his book, I think, at the time, but um, he has set uh, a record, and is a very impressive one as well. Think back to that Eric Morecambe, the great Eric Morecambe line. Not going to sell much ice cream going that <laughs> yeah, fast. True. Well, <laughs> it's come true because Ed China, of course, uh, has um, gone seventy three mile seventy three mile an hour plus in an ice cream van. Uh, you know, with, brilliant with headline the, in the Sunday, Mister Nippy, Mister Nippy, with come the on. tune playing, which I think was a prerequisite of breaking the record, and it was an electric vehicle, so it was clean, and there was a, a serious mm. reason behind it. Good afternoon, Ed. Good afternoon, Paul and Andy. Yeah, mm. good to talk to you again. So, look, congratulations. We did love this. I mean, just it's a beautiful record, isn't it? So, I'll take it it wasn't an electric vehicle to start with. You you, you worked your magic on it. That's right. Yeah, no, it started out as a perfectly good... In fact, it had 14 miles on the clock of Mercedes Sprinter, and I took all that lovely engine straight out and then electrified the whole thing. <laughs> so it's actually got an electric motor driving along, batteries in the boot, and then I had to electrify the ice cream machine inside so we could also make ice cream. <laughs> really? So that's to, for, for Guinness to recognise it, it has to be a proper working ice cream van? Absolutely. You had to have the, the stickers on the side with the prices, so you had to have times, you had to be able to make <laughs> ice cream before and after the, the record attempt. So, yeah, it was, it was quite a challenge. That's what brilliant. It's an amazing thing. And also quite a bold thing to do, because you'd think normally if you'd do something like this, you'd take an old van, you know, you wouldn't take like a brand new beautiful vehicle and do that to it. Well, absolutely. It's one of those things, actually. I mean, when I was looking for some old ones, I didn't really want to repair all the rust first, frankly. No. <laughs> As you said, there is a serious point, because quite a lot of ice cream vans, with these old diesel engines, uh, yes. uh, can't go into certain areas, can they? So probably electric vehicles, you probably need more charging points for the average ice cream man to get a full day out of it. But um, uh, it, there is a serious point, and probably a few of them will have to go down this route to survive, won't they? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think councils have already been banning. I mean, last year, you know, a number of councils banned you know, diesel ice cream vans from their pitches. 
Um, but actually, with my kit, I can now convert any ice cream van so the ice cream machine itself works on electric. And actually, the full charge will actually last the whole day. Oh, wow. So they just charge up at night while they're asleep, get back out on the run. So it doesn't matter how they're powered to get there. Mm. They just turn their engine off when they get to the pitch, and then they can have electric ice cream all day long, which is pretty special. I mean, we don't really need to be kind of pumping diesel fumes into our children's faces anymore no. you know, while they're waiting for ice cream. So I think this yeah. is actually, you know, the very much the future. Bit of a breakthrough there. What about the, the chimes? Were they hard to to track down? <laughs> Did locate? they go quicker as you went quicker? <laughs> well, I, well, actually, that would be nice. Wouldn't it? I, well, I ended up with two actually. I had Ride of the Valkyries because I thought that was kind of apocalypse now with an ice cream <laughs> van. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, almost. And then I know I had Yakety Sax, good old Benny Hill. So they know, so there's probably more comedy moments. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been recognised by Guinness, has it? Uh, this this record? It has indeed. Yeah. Well, as you said, seventy three point nine two one miles per hour. So it is an official world record in the new book, which is out pretty much. I think 17th of September, I believe, 2021 Guinness World Records book. Right. Our old mate Paul Jiggins says uh, you you got 73.9 mile an hour. Were you aiming for 99? Hey. Hey. Well, I know. You're not wrong. I think I should aim for that now. Now, now I've got myself in the book. I'm going to have to go for another book through next year. Yeah. And the two cones on the front. I mean, again... Hey, Are they aerodynamic? Is that, what the, is that the question nice. you're well, asking? Again, it must be quite hard to find people who manufacture those sort of things. Well, actually, there's a sort of stuff that mobilers use all the time. I, mean, I think it actually helps split the air ever so slightly. So I think I could go slightly faster because of those. <laughs> so this is all on uh, It's on uh, YouTube, isn't it, Ed? We can go and check this out. Yes, you can indeed. Yes, yeah, so you can go to either my YouTube site or Guinness World Records. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We turned out to football and we chatted to Gary Lineker last year when the Lineker and Baker book... Uh, Life, Laughs and Football came out in hardback. It's out in um, paperback now with a new uh, chapter. Of course, it was off the back of their uh, excellent Behind Closed Doors podcast and little did they know how prophetic that would be a title. Ironic, really. Yeah, <laughs> what a title that was. Good afternoon, Gary. Uh, good afternoon, chaps. How are we? Yeah, we're, we're good, we're thanks, good thank you. As we say, Behind Closed good. Doors, little did we know that was the way we'd be watching football for the foreseeable. Well, we, we had a crystal ball, didn't we? We knew what was going to happen, so we thought we'd get ahead of the game on that one. And um, Yeah, I know, remarkable, really. Obviously, um, it was Danny's idea, the, the name of it. And then, um, obviously, it's... In fact, one or two people said to me, um, what's that going to do with football? And I said, well, sometimes you get matches that, you know, it's just been crowd trouble or something. It really happens. in my career where, yeah. where you have to play behind closed doors with no fans. I don't think I'll ever have to explain it again. <laughs> no, never. No, that's no. true. The, the, the new forward uh, was written just after the first Bundesliga game, you say. There'd been one Bundesliga match and, you know, we, di we didn't know it was going to happen. There could have been real problems in, in this country and, and in Germany post that. So, relatively speaking, it went remarkably well, didn't it, subsequently? I think so. I think over this whole um, period, by and large, football has, has come out of it very well and has dealt with it very well, both in terms of the reactions from lots of um, our footballers, um, not just here but around the world, and the way it's been organised, the, the games and the return to football, obviously without crowds. We're not going to pretend it's um, exactly the same without them. But um, I think to get the season completed um, was quite an achievement, um, not just in terms of the Premier League and the FA Cup, but obviously you know, the European competitions as well, Europa League, Champions League. So, um, yes, it's, it's, it's been as good as you could hope it could be, I mm. think, um, given the circumstances.
I found the forward interesting too, Gary. I mean, you talk about life without sport for being boring, and we all know what you mean when you say that. And, but I did enjoy the, the the match of the day offerings that you did. It, it sort of kept me feeling normal that Saturday night I'd go and say goodbye to the wife, I'd go and sit in front of the telly at ten thirty or something, whatever it was, and watch the sort of the podcast and then match of their day. I think it was a useful thing. I think so. Uh, and it was nice to be able to um, still continue to broadcast and do a bit of work, um, obviously, um, at home, um, which was which was different, and remotely, which um, pre- came with it a few problems. But um, it's amazing feedback, actually, and um, people seem to love um, the, the podcast, particularly the ones, obviously, with Alan Shearer and Ian Wright, mm. um, which were originally going to just be a, a podcast for BBC Sounds, which we were going to just put out from my kitchen each week. So we recorded three and we recorded them with proper cameras um, because they wanted to kind of promote it a little bit. Um, And then all of a sudden lockdown happened um, and someone had the idea of, well, let's put it in the match of the day slot because there's no football. And um, they were popular. It's a bit, I suppose, it's kind of... um, a little bit like it is when we're sitting there in the afternoon watching the matches mm. um, and obviously we get a bit of banter going and um, take the mickey out of each other and there's a bit of bad language. Um, mm. So that kind of went into the podcast and it, it was very different to obviously how we have to be during a, a normal match of the day, mm. but it did prove to be immensely popular, which is obviously a relief. You've mm. gone, I mean, I've often used to say that you knew when something serious had happened on Match of the Day because first Des and you would reach for the glasses. And when the glasses went on, something had happened. Somebody had got banned, someone had been injured. So it was serious news. It was like Walter Cronkite after the Kennedys. Well, it wasn't quite that, but you know what I mean? It was important. But, uh, but now you're, you're, you're going quite regular glasses. You've alluded to it a couple of times on, on BT during the Champions League. You, they're becoming a bit of a permanent fixture. I think it comes to us all, really, with age, doesn't it? Sadly, yes. Um, um, I put them on just just to read uh, if there was a breaking news story or something like that. And um, and then there came a point where actually reading the stuff is fine to put the glasses on specifically for it. But it it came to the point where however big I wrote my notes, Mm. I couldn't I can't see them anymore, (laughs) which I've kind of put up with, to be honest, for a couple of years, because. I generally, you know, I make notes about questions I'd like to ask, topics I'd like to cover, um, this and that and the other, just to remind myself as going on. And I found it increasingly more difficult. Every time I glanced down, I couldn't, I couldn't read them. And I just thought, well, I'll just put the glasses on. So they're actually um, very focal, so I can, you know, look long range, because that was the problem for If I just kept my reading glasses yeah. on, looking at the guys, they'd all be blurred. <clears throat> um, I'm sure lots of people have had these issues, oh. but... Um, I'm sort of getting used to them now, and um, and it's a lot easier just having them on all the time yeah. and just keeping taking them off, putting them on, losing them all the time. <laughs> um, although there was the other day, somebody uh, I was looking for my glasses everywhere, and after about five minutes, I realised I was wearing them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh that's yeah, not a good sign. <laughs> but I came to the same conclusion as you. It's much much easier just to leave them on. I've been wearing them since I was about ten. So yeah, don't worry it's about not it. a problem. <laughs> but uh, problem, really. the, this is the paperback of the book you brought out before, and it's a, it's an interesting comment you and Danny because you you both come at the game from a completely different angle which is exactly why we thought it might work Mm. and hoped it would work and obviously Danny's a brilliant and and very funny and clever broadcaster so um, 
Yeah, very much that. He comes from the fans' perspective, and obviously he's, he's very opinionated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I kind of come from the inside track, and what, what it's like actually being part of football within football stories that um, um, I remembered over the years. And it's funny because I've never had a particularly good memory, and I, I unlike someone like say Alan Hansen remembers every game that he ever played, and he can go into details about every minute of every game he played, whereas. I sometimes, you suddenly see a goal on Twitter or something that somebody's posted that I scored 20 odd years ago, or probably 30 odd years ago now. And I, and I look at it and I think, I have absolutely zero memory of it. Um, but what I found with the podcast is that um, when we were asked questions and we started chatting, my memory was triggered and suddenly I'd remember the story that, of, of whether it be Gaza or, or anything really. Um, and it's, um, it's, I was quite a kind of relieved. It's made, made me think that perhaps I'm not going senile too early. But um, so it's, it's encouraging to, to, to re remind myself of, of many of the stories and lots of the games and, and stuff that I've played in. So it's, it's almost, um, I suppose, autobiographical in a way. Mm. Uh, Gary Lineker's with us. We're talking about Lineker and Baker, Life, Laughs and Football from the Behind Closed Doors podcast. We'll chat more. We'll talk a bit of Barcelona and Champions League and other matters besides... The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Since 2014, Gary, we've, you could talk about the 7-1 and people would know exactly what you meant. Now we can talk about the 8-2. Yes. Um, you, you presided <laughs> over that in the studio with BT, the Champions League coverage. And I mean, you played for Barcelona and it, it was a kind of watershed result. Something now quite fundamentally has to change as Gerard Piquet said after the game I just wondered even in your era when you were playing there does that shirt weigh heavy does the responsibility of being a player that's effective it's almost like being an international you're playing for sort of Catalonia and and, and you must be aware of that when you're playing there yeah it's it's a huge club it's a a giant and um, there's enormous amount of pressure um, on all, all all the players um and you know, we often hear, don't we, about pressure on players here, but it's something else at Barcelona. And um, I remember from the first day that I arrived, um, and Mark Hughes was there at the same time. We arrived at the same time, and they had um, they said, "Come on, we're going to first training sessions at the um, at the camp now." Um, said, "Okay, fine." It, they said it's presentation day, so where we introduce new players and fans come along and watch the training a bit. So we got in there, there's like sixty-five thousand people there. Oh, oh, this is a little bit different for a training session. Just play five aside for twenty minutes. Wow! And then they introduce you to the crowd, and um, and it was it, it is different, and there's there's so much pressure put on the players. I mean. Luckily for Barcelona, that game wasn't played in front of their own fans mm. because, honestly, um, after 10, 20 minutes, they'd have had what they call the old Panuelos Blancos, the white handkerchiefs, yeah. they all wave them and they all whistle. We boo, they whistle. Mm. Um, and it's quite deafening when they whistle, and it's, especially if it's targeted at you, um, which can happen on occasions. But this, no, they, they, they will be deeply unhappy in Barcelona at the moment with the way the team's playing. You could see it coming. I, mm. I watch pretty much every game Barca play. And all season, they've been really struggling. The football's been pretty dour. Um, it's kind of sad because, obviously, you've got a generation of players that have been great and won a lot. But time catches up with everyone. You know, you can't... Father time is, is brutal, uh, particularly in football. Mm. And um, you can see it to to quite a lot of the players now they're going over the edge and and despite you know they sold Neymar for a fortune and I think they've spent something like 800 million of, of, of money since he left 
but they've not spent it very wisely. And recruitment, whatever, however big your club is or how small it is and whatever your budget is, if, if you don't spend your money wisely, you're going to end up in a pickle. And that's where Barcelona are at the, are at the moment. Sure. And, um, so they brought in Kuman, who's a, a huge favourite and a wonderful footballer there, but he's got one hell of a job on his hands. This is going to be a massive transition period. Also, he may only have a year if the president gets changed. And uh, but well, in the in yeah. the book, uh, there's a lovely photo of you, your boys, and Lionel Messi. Uh, f- I think you say something like four boys you all love" or something like that. Anyway, but I know you're a <laughs> massive fan of him. And what what now for him though? Because you know you'd like to think his last couple of years, three years, will be you know winning. But uh, at the moment, it looks difficult. It, very much so. It's amazed. What amazes me is that um, he's 33 now and he's playing in a, a, a relatively poor Barcelona side, certainly the poorest in, in his career that he's been there. And we put up a graphic last night about most um, goals and assists just to show you know where Lewandowski was and one or two Nagbri and one or, one or two others. And, um, and Messi was still top of it with, by, by, by a mile, 31 goals and 25 assists. And you think, how's he done that? And... Um, yeah. There's no question his powers are on the way in a little bit. Um, that has to happen. But he's still, I would say, got two or three years. And he's also he's clever enough footballer to, to probably get longer than that, playing perhaps a more deeper role or something. But it'll be interesting to see whether whether he does um, try and leave. And It'll be very sad for Barcelona, sad in many ways. But at the same time, it will be very sad to see his, his last couple of years, perhaps at the top, just peter out in an ordinary team. So... He's got a decision to make. The club have a decision to make if he if he wants to go. Um, but imagine if he did come to you know the, perhaps the Premier League or somewhere. Um, say a club like Manchester City, which is the obvious link because of Guardiola. Mm. If he if he went there for a club, obviously massive investment that they've had, but to turn them into a global brand, what better than having someone that's got hundreds of millions of, of fans all around the world? It, it would kind of do it instantly. And all of a sudden, Manchester City would have fans all over the world. Um, and one of the new money clubs like City, that takes a long time to build that fan base. So you could see that there would be an interest in that. And that's just that's aside from the fact that he's also obviously the most magical footballer um, I think we've ever seen. Yeah, I'd like to see him at Burnley. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let's see if he can do it at Turf Moor yeah. on a, a cold Wednesday night. Yeah. I think he probably could, actually. You can't <laughs> rob Stoke of that. You yeah, I'm no, well, yeah, I'm never the Stoke. Got, they've got to get back in the... He's not going to Stoke. Although, with, I'll tell you what, with the coach's money, he, maybe he is going to Stoke. <laughs> you uh, you mentioned the, uh, Pep there, Gary, and I know you're a big fan of his, and of course we all are, and what he's done yeah. for football and transformed football. But I was thinking last night, watching Bayern, who I think are a wonderful football team, are Bayern under Hansi Flick better than they were under Pep? Is that sacrilege to say that? Um, well, well, we'll see, won't we? Um, <laughs> but Pep obviously started that. And Pep's transformed their team. He didn't win the Champions League. He lost, I think, three semi-finals with Bayern. Hmm. Um, whereas, you know, but Flick's been in charge of six months. You know, he's, he's been a number two by and large. Obviously, he was number two um, to love when they won that game that you referred to, 7-1, which I presume you meant the German. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't think you meant the Tottenham one. No, was no. 7-1, was it? Yeah, yeah. No, we had a 7-1. Um, no, so, it was 8-2, wasn't it, of course? Well, was it, was it? No. So far, he's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. So, so, I can't remember now. No, so, I'm so, trying to so blank out of my mind. I'm still in therapy for that, so, yeah. We should... <laughs> um, but, you know, Pep's done it over a long period of time. Hansi Flick's done it over a few months, and he's also... He's, he's doing it at the moment and he's playing a 
a game which is a dangerous game. Um, he's playing at a high line and he's doing it when there's no pressure on the ball. And if you've got half decent centre forwards and, and know what they're doing, you, you'd absolutely turn them over. And they, but it's great to watch because basically that theory really is that we'll outscore the opposition. I think we'll we'll get a better idea hmm. when they play PSG. If you've got Kylian Mbappe and, and Neymar um, up front, then and they play the same way, then we'll see what happens. Um, but you know, I honestly think the Champions League final could, could be a goal fest. Yeah, um, it should be a wonderful game. Both teams. And both yeah. teams have got so much strength going forward yeah. and are vulnerable defensively. That's right. It should be a cracking game. Now, there's another story today, Gary, around internationals. And obviously, Gareth wants everybody out there for these games, these Nation Cup games that are coming up. And uh, obviously, one or two of the managers with the amount of fixtures they've got to fit into a short space of time before the Euros next year are slightly peeved by this. But in your playing career, was there ever a period when you had that... Uh, so you were lent on slightly by the club or the manager for, for a convenient oh, hamstring? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, of course. All the time. But I love playing for the country and there's no way that was going to happen. I think most players like You always get pressure from, from oh, come on, you look a bit tough, man, we'll pull you out of this one and this and that. Now the club's more important and you apply pressure loads of times. Mm. You know, I remember it happening, it happened with Howard Kendall, it happened with Terry Venables. Um, yeah, and I totally understand why. You know, they're the managers of their football club. They're not interested in how you do internationally, really. They just want, you know, they don't want to risk you getting injured for, in a, and, and missing some important club games. So I understand why it happens. But, but by and large, players, you know, you'll get the odd exception and some, some will weaken occasionally under massive pressure. But by and large, players do want to perform for their country. There's no, it's the highest thing you can do is pull on that, you know, shirt with the three lines. And there's no way I ever, t I, I used to say, I'm sorry, I'm going. Oh, that's it. It's important to the timing of those games, though the managers will be going mad. And and Manchester well, United and Manchester City players, I, I can't see the point of picking them. He knows what they can do. That I've had hardly any rest at all. I'm not sure that will help next summer. That's what I'm worried about. Hmm. The, the knock-on effect when you get to the Euros. Don't you get everyone's had kind of three or four months off? Yeah. Uh, earlier in the year. I mean, let's not forget that. I know this period of. This summer has been very short, particularly for the teams from the Champions League. Uh, <coughs> oh, bless you! It's, it's catching. catching. Andy was sneezing as well. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> in all the years, in all my years of broadcasting, doing match of the day, doing BT, doing whatever else I've done, I think that's the first time I actually had to sneeze. <laughs> and I was having that conversation the other day because I get hay fever a lot. Yeah, I do sneeze a lot, but I think that's the first time I've ever done it. So apologies. For oh, that's that. no, no, no. I've nice. done about a hundred. I won't worry it's about nice it. It's nice we've got a Lineker first on this show. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. Yeah, I know about the fat players tired yeah, yeah. I think obviously it, it's, it, it's been Concertina hasn't it into the next season will be very tight and to, to finish the league and then you've got two cup competitions European competitions internationals as well but but you know these Nations Cup ones they tie into the um, the, the qualifiers as well aren't they so you know how do you do that for the World Cup if you don't have the qualifiers I, I don't know um, it's but, you know, players, the big clubs have got big squads now. So, you know, they, they traditionally in the last few years, they've you know played reserve sides in, in the League Cup and the FA Cup. And I, I suspect that's what will happen. Mm.
Uh, now, a couple of final questions, uh, and this is a hoary old question, I, I, I appreciate that, but um, Troy Deeney was on with uh, Alan and the guys on Breakfast today and they were talking about uh, centre-halves and he was saying Virgil van Dijk is a really tough player to come up against. And I just wondered, over the years, I mean, how many great centre-halves, defenders, did you... Was there one you dread? Because I did hear this story once, that if you were up against a player and you knew you were going to take a bit of a shooing from them, quite early in the game, you'd like to alert the referee... Possibly uh, after a tackle had gone in, to the fact that uh, that you were being assaulted on a regular tunnel. basis. <laughs> I did it in the tunnel before the game. <laughs> I had a word with the referee. I said, "You know what these do?" I said, "It's particularly let's say say Arsenal, for example, hmm. um, Adams and Bold and Keown." And I used, you said to them all, "You know what's going to happen here, don't you?" The Bold and Adams. Um, they're just going to kick me in the first few minutes and they'll keep doing it. I said, and if you don't book them early on, they'll just do it all game. <laughs> so, I just, yeah, you've got to say things like that. Um, the, the ones that were really tough to play against, um, I got a couple, one from international football called Pietro Biekvon, who played oh, for yeah. Italy, who oh, yeah. was brutal. Sampdoria brutal, player, I remember him. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. Correct, that's right, Sampdoria. Yeah. Um, and it, but he was also incredibly quick. So, um, it's because normally you're the ones that want to boot you like Adams and Bold and, and stuff but you, you can hear them coming you know mm. they were like plod 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 and um, so you can you jump in the air a little bit you never get hurt um, and the other one not necessarily because he, he, he hurt you although he was very strong but I found him very difficult to play against would would be um, Paul McGrath mm. um, he was so good such a good player and yeah. I, I really always used to struggle uh, a little bit against him and Des Walker would be the other one but um but for different reasons, because yeah. Desert Cloughy always used to put him on me man to man. It's annoying because he's so quick. <laughs> and, and one final question: Have you added to, in lockdown? Did you add to the repertoire of recipes? Because the book ends oh, yes. with a couple of your uh, <laughs> with a bit of cooking you used to do to Danny when you for Danny when you recorded the podcast. So have you been adding to the repertoire? Yeah, I always cook um, for, the, for the crew and Danny and everyone. Um, I'm always adding to the repertoire. I'm always exploring um, different. I'm, I'm absolutely mad keen um, amateur cook, and um, it's become very much a new passion over the last few years. And it's good because they actually my boys come and see me now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they come come for a bit of food, it's so good. which is good. But no, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's not just a hobby. It's become very much a. A passion, really. I love it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Slightly longer one than usual. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Rupert's back tomorrow. I wonder what pizza is. Don't we have garlic or something? What could really go badly wrong? Pickled onion pizza. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening. Harry Hill also joins us tomorrow. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.